my best sales pitch. Let me uh, warm up the vocals. Ah, oh, yeah, I'm going. Uh, <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Tipping Liverpool to stay up this year. <laughs> Thanks for explaining how the Premier League works. Then enjoy that now. No. Uh, <laughs> Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Football Times podcast with myself, RadioTimes.com sport editor Michael Potts, and I'm joined in the studio slash, well I was going to say my bedroom, but he's not in my bedroom, uh, in the virtual studio, it's Mr. Jake Wilson of BBC Match of the Day magazine. How are you doing? I'm very good. I'm very happy to be in, yes, my lounge, my own yeah. personal lounge. Um, the denial does sound a bit suspect now. I know it no does. <laughs> Socially distanced podcast, yes. Um, we, we could just like start this again, but I think we should roll with it. Let's roll with it. Yeah, we are in sorry. entirely different rooms, and I haven't seen him since March. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Nice, isn't it? Um, in my little matchbox bedroom in East London, um, which cost me £10,000 a month. Moving on. Uh, we'll be bringing up some of the big stories in football this week in the Premier League. Uh, some of the biggest games on TV. Every, obviously, every game at the moment is being shown on uh, on BT, Sky, Amazon, wherever you want to watch it. And uh, we'll be bringing up some of the biggest games this weekend. Uh, we'll also be running through Fantasy Premier League with the results of our poll from last week and a new poll to, to get cracking on this week. Um, and we're also going to have a look at a little look at a, a strange phenomenon. A strange phenomenon. Well, the death of the home advantage, really. Um, we're, we're noticing a bit of a, bit of a trend. We, we've sort of seen it since the start of the, the first lockdown. Um, but this week in particular has been quite an interesting one for the home away advantage. Um, but all in good time, all in good time. We will start with the biggest game of the weekend. It's Liverpool versus Manchester City. Uh, it's on Sunday afternoon, 4.30 kickoff on Sky Sports Premier League main event and now TV. Um, I actually forgot this was coming up until just the other day. And there's been so much football, I feel like there's not really been enough time to build this one up. Um, but we have Liverpool versus City at Anfield, and as, as Liverpool are finding at the moment, Anfield not quite the fortress it once was. Um, defeats to Burnley and Brighton to end their, their f- nearly four-year home unbeaten run in the league. Uh, two defeats in, in, in as many games. It's not looking great, is it? It's not looking great for Liverpool. Not at all, not at all. Um, and just when we thought things were turning around, they're scoring a few goals... Um, it's all come crashing back down um, and it seems like teams are going to Anfield now, they're sitting back and they, they they are pretty confident that they can soak up Liverpool's pressure. They're not clinical like they once once been. They haven't been able to break down teams with incisive passes um, like they have been in the past and um, they're conceding chances at the other end. Um, I don't know if it's the fullbacks being um, less willing to, to push up the field with Henderson not being there to cover. Obviously, he's playing in a back two against Brighton. The back two was uh, Phillips and Jordan Henderson. Um, and I think I think that's the main problem, really. You look at their injury list. Mane's out at the minute. Alisson was out. They had Kelleher in goal. Um, Jota's out. Fabinho's out. Gomez, Van Dijk. We spoke about this, but we really shouldn't underestimate the impact that volume of injuries can have. Mm. It's, it's funny, isn't it? It's one of those where um, I think actually having Henderson, Phillips, Williams, whoever it is at the back, that's not the problem. It's more about what you're losing in the midfield or what you're losing from your fullbacks. So I think Henderson being back there, as you say, it's 
probably just reined Robertson and or Trent back in a little bit. And actually not having Henderson in the middle, we've seen before a few times how how Liverpool are impacted when they lose Henderson from the middle. And and I almost think, yeah, the, the, the issue is is their centre defenders being injured, but not for the reason that Henderson can't do a job at centre back. I think it's it's purely they are they are missing that bit in the middle and and, and from the from wide, which is where we've seen them have so much joy the last few years. Um, I think you mentioned Mane there, like just such a big miss, t- tenacious, tenacious runner. Um, he, he's a big miss, at, you know, going forward and, and coming a bit deeper. Um, Thiago is a funny one. I've, I've seen it. I've mentioned this to my housemate. We, we, I feel like we've watched Liverpool the last few weeks now. And, and Thiago, I, I've started to see a little bit of criticism on social media, but I've, I was saying this a few weeks ago. I don't want to be that guy who uh, foresaw it. But a lovely, lovely technical footballer, great on the ball. I just don't know what he... He hasn't had that major impact on the side that I was expecting. I don't think he's really influencing games. He looks lovely and he's these nice, nice flicks and nice passes, but I haven't really seen that sort of killer ball from him. That that slide through for for Salah to run onto or Firmino to feed off. I'm not quite sure what he's doing in there at the moment. No, I completely agree. Um, and it may be a case of him playing slightly deeper than maybe he, he really wants to um, with, with Henderson not being there. They're all being asked to do slightly different jobs to fill in for people. Mm. I think last season we saw how much that impacted their title challenge. It really was kind of decisive. And with Liverpool having lost so many players up and down the pitch, everyone's being asked to do slightly different jobs. So maybe when things are a little more settled. Maybe next season we'll see the best out of Thiago because like maybe say Gundogan at Man City, um, mm. again, Pep in the in, in lacking KDB is playing Gundogan further forward in those half spaces that David Silva used to play in and he's getting the best out of him, scoring goals. I think he's got seven in 10 um, and an assist uh, for Sterling's goal uh, the other night too. So um, I think hopefully Thiago is is settling or trying to settle in the most unsettled side, probably in the Premier League, uh, maybe bar one of the teams we're going to talk about later. Mm. Um, and and yeah, it's not an easy job for him. Yes, I think you're right. I think you're right. Just those small, the minor sort of... Ro- you can look at that... If you're just looking at the lineup and you're thinking, well, it's pretty much the same personnel, what's gone wrong? But like you say, every every player, is, is their role has adapted... Um, due to those two centre backs being, or three centre backs now being out with with Matt Ibar for the season, um, yeah, I'd be interested. I, I was thinking, imagine you know, maybe this season if the two young centre backs come, you know, step up, uh, Ben Davies and, and Kabak, um, if they step up, could we see Fabino, Henderson, and Thiago in the middle? And I think instantly, as much as I like Wijnaldum, I think instantly if you've got a world class sort of holding midfielder in, in Fabino. You've got a world-class sort of box-to-box midfielder in, in a sense in Henderson. He can do a job all over the place. And then you've got Thiago who can then focus on getting further forward and sliding those balls through, picking that final pass. Um, it'd be interesting to see see what happens when they actually get to a, a full strength. But but for now, a daunting, daunting task against a, a steamroller Man City team, uh, like you mentioned there, Gundogan, in, in the form of his life, really, stepping up... Um, Beautifully in place of Kevin De Bruyne. Um, how do you see this one going? What's your what's your predictions for this one? Liverpool v City. 
it's hard to look past City squeaking squeaking this one out. They're not conceding any goals. Mm. The amount of clean sheets they've had since Laporte came in, um, you know, so many game weeks ago now. But like, it's unbelievable. Um, and with with Liverpool misfiring, um, I don't think um, my captain's going to be resting on Mo Salah this week. Um, I think City are going to sneak it like they have maybe a, a one niller. Um, they haven't been scoring loads. So. Mm. I, I was, I was. <laughs> we'll come to fantasy in, in, in a bit, but I was. I, I almost got to the point of who's going to start Laporte, Stones, or Diaz. I'm not even going to bother. I don't need that sort of confusion in my life right now. And then Pep started them all. Yes. So, <laughs> and you have probably the three, in terms of four man quality, three of the best centre backs in the league, all playing in the same team. Um, I'm going to go with you there. I think Liverpool have a big job on their hands. Salah could be the difference maker again, but. It's so hard to bat against anything other than a, a City win to nil at the moment. Um, moving swiftly on, once that game is wrapped up and in the books, uh, we have Sheffield United against Chelsea. It's a 7.15 kickoff on Sky Sports Premier League main event and now TV. Um, let's focus on Sheffield United, I guess. They are they are putting a little run together. And I know recently we have we have written them off and I, I am not knee-jerking to say that they are <laughs> absolutely going to be safe because, like we say, Brighton picking up wins, Newcastle picked up wins, Burnley picking up wins. But three out of five Sheffield United have wins now. They're up to 11 points. They've closed the gap on Fulham in 18th to, to just three points now. So they're actually sort of in touch with the rest of the teams in the relegation zone. Um, Surely they can't. Surely they can't. In in my notes here, um, you you prefaced it with the the question: um, Can Sheffield United do it? And the the first word of my notes here is no. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. I think that is unfortunately the the answer. But I don't think that's because Sheffield United aren't good enough to get a really successful amount of points this year. Because I think they are. Um, you know, Chris Wilder has done a brilliant job turning their season around. Lots of players stepping up in different positions. Obviously, their striking positions have been a bit of an issue. They aren't scoring the goals, but Sharp stepping up. We had Chris Basham putting in a, an absolute worldy performance the other night. We've had like, um, you know, bit part players like Keen Bryan stepping up too. So they do have players that want to impact games and, and change their season. However, like you said, Newcastle picking up points, Brighton picking up points, Burnley winning games. I think the other teams are going to get too many. I really, um, you know, I'm fearful for, for Sheffield United, West Brom and Fulham because they are just a little bit too cut adrift. Um, you know, Liverpool couldn't even do us a favour and, and, you know, beat Brighton. So at least Brighton kind of felt like slightly in there. That's a massive three points for Brighton. Two winning games. I think it's just going to be too much. They've still got some injuries. Bulldog now is injured for the Blades. Um, for a couple of weeks. Um, they obviously got Chelsea this week, um, who Tuchel is sorting them out defensively. Um, I think it's going to be a tough task uh, for Sheffield United to stay up. I think it's going to rely on a team like Crystal Palace, maybe, or, or Burnley going on an absolute horror run for them to, to have a chance, really. Mm. It's funny, isn't it? A couple of weeks ago, I thought... Um... I felt like, oh, we're only halfway through the season. And I was just saying this again to the housemates last night, thinking we're only halfway through the season. And now we're at 22 games and you start to see the likes of Brighton on 24 points, Crystal Palace on 29 points, um, even Newcastle and Burnley, 16th, 17th, are on 22 points. And 
yeah, you do think if they, I mean, if they keep up that average, if the season continues as it has, sort of seventeenth place is going to have forty points pretty much if you if you if you loosely double that over. Um, so it is a it is a very big ask, I think, from here. And but I mean, you you'd arguably arguably say now Sheffield United are probably in the best position of Fulham, West Brom. And Sheffield United, they actually have a little bit of momentum, and and it's not just draws like Fulham being drawing a lot of games. Sheffield United have been winning games, and yeah, I think they've probably they've probably left themselves with too big a hole to <laughs> to climb out of. Um, but fair play, I mean, you can you've got to keep going at the end. And Chris Wilder, I'm glad you know. I think they wanted results from Wilder to keep him in that job. I still think Wilder has a lot to play for here. I think a season where they go down with with ten points, five points, can't really keep the manager, can you? No, no matter what he's done, no matter what the credit in the bank is. Um, but I I think uh, a spirited end to the season would be would be a good result for Wilder. And um, and there's some there's some tools there. The likes of Brewster could probably tear up the championship. Um, but we are not there yet. And for now, Sheffield United are still fighting. Uh, so come on the blades, come on the blades. You have our backing, you have our backing. Prove prove the world wrong. Um, and as we've said though, I'm, I'm saying you have our backing. They're up against Chelsea this weekend and Chelsea are going to win that one. <laughs> um, yeah, Chelsea, like you said, shoring up the defence. Um, don't think Sheffield United will have much of an answer this time around. But who knows? I mean, Chelsea struggled a bit against, against Wolves to break them down. Um, but yeah, they, they did find a route through Burnley with relative ease last time. Do you have a, a prediction for this one? Yeah, Chelsea are going to win this, I think. Um, they are looking better under Tuchel. He's definitely um, got a system and he's uh, he's making it known very quickly. So um, I would thought um, a statement victory here, maybe a 3 0 um, And that's no discredit to Sheffield United. I think Chelsea are just going to want this a lot. I think it'll be narrow. I think it'll be a one niller. I think it'll be a very close game, but I think um, Chelsea have enough there to keep Sheffield United at bay and just about just about nick it. Um, before all of this, before those two games, uh, we have a lot on Saturday, uh, and we're going to go over to Newcastle v Southampton now. It's a three o'clock kickoff, uh, which is a rarity nowadays. A Saturday three o'clock kickoff, uh, Newcastle v Southampton on BT Sport. Um, Southampton, there's only one place to go, really. And I have been sick, sick, completely sick of bringing up the 9-0 against Leicester in every single game. Um, every commentator is always, no matter what happens, whether Southampton score, it's, oh, well, they're looking a lot better than that 9-0. Or if they lose, it's like, oh, well, at least it's not a 9-0. We've got another 9-0. We've, we've just bought ourselves about a decade of 9-0 references. I'm so sorry, Southampton fans. Um what was that? What was that? Did you watch it's all the game? Dan James's fault. It's all Dan James's fault. <laughs> we just wouldn't have done it to them. We wouldn't have been talking about it. it yeah. Um, Southampton are in a bit of a hole, aren't they? I yeah. think. Um, and it's not really anyone's fault, I wouldn't say. Um, Hassel Hooten obviously done a very good job there, but their form at the minute is among the worst in the league. And, I think it's 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 injuries based really. Obviously, Danny Ings has struggled this middle part of the season, especially um, with with staying fit. So I think that's impacted them a lot. Um, but their defensive issues are, are just as bad. So um, and in the 
midweek game, they played Kane Ramsey at centre-back, um, who's uh, a very, very young player. And then they had, um, obviously, Jankowitz was making his first Premier League start for the club. <laughs> about 78 <laughs> seconds, I think. Um, so that wasn't the one. And then their bench, let me read you their bench, Sheffield, uh, Southampton's bench from the Man United now. now. So they had Nathan Redmond, um, who, we, who we like and we rate highly. And then, can you name any of these other players? <laughs> Maybe one or two. So Fraser Forster um, and Daniel Undlundaloo, who'd um, who's been playing off the bench occasionally, getting those one points for me on FPL. But then they've got um, Will Ferry, Ryan Finnegan, Caleb Watts, um, Harry Lewis, another goalkeeper, Alan um, Alan Shapchet, and Kagalgelo Chauke. Um, I'm sorry if I um, brutalised those Strong. names. It's the first time Strong I've ever read them. <laughs> um, we'll, go, we'll roll yeah, it. I apologise uh, for, for taking that on uh, unprepared. Um, but yes, their squad numbers, <laughs> equally brilliant. 47, 52, 65, 72, 41, 44, 40, 62, and Nathan <laughs> Redmond on 11. So that tells you the story, I think, there. Man, it sounds like you're reading out their points totals over the last sort of 10 years there. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's not great, is it? The, the the depth there, and it's funny as well. Southampton, like, I guess they, I mean, they've always been a club to have a, a strong academy and, and kids coming through. But yeah, one at a time, man, one at a time. You can't can't be having having nine players on your bench and or seven players on your bench, whatever it is, and all of them being being under twenty threes. It's not not great sign of depth, is it really? Um, I mean, in fairness to to uh, what what was the lad's name, Yankovic? In in fairness to him, he kept a clean sheet. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, there was um, there was a uh, worse FBL points that game, wasn't there? Yeah, rock, he probably rock, did himself. You had rock solid two minutes from him there. I mean, what what, what can you say? Can't say fairer than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, wanted, what was that? Sorry, he certainly wanted it. He wanted that game. <laughs> he wanted. He wanted it. <laughs> yeah, I bet he wanted it more. And uh, it's funny how mentality just goes, doesn't it? Because I saw a few people sort of saying like. Um, you know, oh, they were down to 10 men or they were down to nine men and stuff. But this has happened three times in in 25 plus years of the Premier League. And it's funny how it just goes, doesn't it? Like, like not every time you go down to 10 men, you lose. Sometimes it can galvanise teams going down to 10 men because they realise we're not going to win this game. Let's settle for the draw. Let's drop a striker. It's funny how a mentality can just completely drop. And and I guess that applies to, to saying sort of beyond that game, like four games, uh, four defeats in a row now for, for Southampton um, after looking like a side who were probably going to be pushing sort of top five, top six. And it, it is funny how that happens. Um, it's, it's quite unexplainable really, isn't it? But it shows you how important getting your mentality right is and how important that side of the game now, the psychological side of the game is uh, for Hassan Huttle to sort of, well, again, again, I don't want to bring up the first 9-0, but he, he, he turned that into some form of positive and they ended up sort of putting a run together and, and performing quite well for the rest of the season. So it, it's it's funny how mentality has such an enormous impact now. And um, I mean, we hope Southampton can get back on their feet because the likes of Danny Ings, the likes of, I mean, Walcott had a few good games and Shea Adams was playing well. Um, Vestergaard, Ward Prowse, a lot of these players have a, have a lot of talent. It's just getting their heads in the game, I guess. Uh, it's, a, it's a tricky one for, for Hassan Huttle to, to negotiate, um, but I'm sure I'll relish the challenge of getting the most out of those players again. Um, and this weekend, 
they they face a long old trip to Newcastle. That's a, a seven thousand mile round journey uh, to Tyneside. Um, again, let's say Newcastle picking up a couple of wins in recent weeks. Callum Wilson doing well. Um, how can you see this one going, Jake? Yeah, it's it's quite a tough one to know. Southampton it isn't getting any easier for them uh, injuries wise. Obviously, they've got uh, the two suspensions as well from the United game. Um, and Newcastle look have looked. Um, I want to say they've looked slightly better, but um, of their last five games, they've only won one, and that was the Everton game. They've, they've lost all the other four. So um, this is uh, who is the least bad this week, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna think Southampton can turn it around. If if anyone can sort it, Hasselhuton's got the experience, hasn't he? Yeah, I think. Um, although I actually want to disagree slightly. Um, I, I know what you mean. I think Hasselhuton has turned people around again. Those players will be hurting, and they'll. They'll demand a backlash, I guess. But Newcastle, there's signs of life there. There's little signs of life. I, I've always really admired Callum Wilson. Um, and I think as long as you've got Callum Wilson, you're, you're in a game. Um, he, he goes through long spells of not scoring, but, but he's, he's doing that just now, you know, and he's, he's getting a few assists as well, bringing others into play. Um, I know since since pseudo-manager Graham Jones has come in, I know they, they've hired, hired Jones as a coach, but he was the one doing all the shouting and, and they've changed their formation and style. So I'm not quite sure who's really in charge at Newcastle. Um, but there's a little bit more positivity. They were, they were positive against Palace and uh, I think they might win this one. I think they might might narrowly take this one. Let's go with a 2-1 Newcastle and that's not something I say lightly um moving on fantasy premier league we uh, we ran a poll last week i'm going to dig out the results right now uh, the results of the poll we have a dead heat we we asked you who is your bargain star for for the top of your um for the top of your fantasy premier league bench sub one and we had a little tie between bakaya saka and thomas suchek suchek again um again finding the net the other day or, or last night wednesday night um, which is a, a great result for him and fantasy managers everywhere. Um, how did your fantasy week go, Jake Wilson? It went okay, to be fair. Um, on those two uh, players, I've got Suchek, which is delightful. And um, before David Luiz uh, heinously tripped William Jose <laughs> in the box um, in, the, in the Wolves-Arsenal game, um, Saka was tearing us to shreds. He's an unbelievable player. And if both of them aren't in the player of the year and young player of the year nominees this year, I will be very surprised. So if you have those two, very well played. Um, but it went all right. I wasn't, wasn't too disappointed. Obviously, Captain Salah, didn't I? Because that's what I choose to do. And it goes well every time I do it. So lovely four points there. But um, yeah, you've got to have those City players. Got two City defenders, six points each. Beautiful. Sterling got me an eight. Um, I got Watkins, Antonio. They're all picking up halls. It was quite a big point scoring week this week, wasn't it? Mm. I ended up being very consistent across the board. Um, I, I Basically, there was too many problems with my team this week. I was thinking, because I've still got Chilwell in there. And I was thinking, there's Chilwell conundrum. There's Stones. Is he going to play? There's what's going to happen with Man City. Gundogan, is he going to stay up? Um, and I basically just decided, you know what? Sack all that off. Don't touch it. Don't touch it at all. Just leave it. Just leave it. And so I left it. And uh, Edison, five. Stone, six. Gundogan, eight. Uh, Grealish, six. Antonio, eight. Calvert-Lewin, nine. And Fernandez with his 17 there. Uh, the only player who didn't get a goal or assist in my team, Mohamed Salah. Guess who I captained? Mohamed Salah. Um, that was the, the one the change. It, it, just, it just stings you, doesn't it? But that's the one change I made on the day. Changed my captain to Salah from Fernandez, 
and and isn't that isn't that everything you need to know? Um, it really, is. it goes the other way as well. Last week, um, a couple of minutes before the deadline, I clicked on the app. Uh, still a bit bleary eyed, you know, Saturday morning, um, and I'd, I had Sterling captains, and I was like, I can't trust Guardiola. You know what he's like. So dropped it on Salah. There we go. Sterling benched, doesn't come on, and Salah. Lovely points all. So um, it does work the other way as well, but uh, it stings when you miss that captain opportunity. Thanks, Jake. Uh, <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> um, and, well, I guess, well, that leads us to another poll, I guess. Let, let's run one. Let's run one. Who I, I, is so much about captains these days? And I know there's that tactic of just instead of trying to second guess the captain, just leave it as the same guy every week. So I know a few people who've got Salah, they'll just stick ardently with Salah through thick and thin. Um, he's pointing at himself, this guy, <laughs> this guy does that. Um, yeah, who, who, who is your captain for the season? Who, who would you captain between now and the end of the season? Put Salah in there, I think Fernandez has got to go in there. And then it's interesting, isn't it? Because you've got De Bruyne who's injured, Kane's injured, Vardy's injured. Son's a bit out of sorts. There's a few options there, but I think I think Salah and Fernandez are are up there. Um, we'll we'll run a poll on our Twitter on our Twitter account. So come to Radio Times Sport and uh, and have your say. Let us know if you totally disagree or any of your tips, and we'll give you a shout out uh, in next week's pod. Um, and if you want to just captain Jesse Lingard for the rest of the year, then go right ahead because I want to see that happen. <laughs> Five point nine million. And he's already, already out of the traps for West Ham with a 15-point haul. So keep an eye on Jesse Lingard for the coming weeks, I believe. Um, moving finally on, and we're coming around to the bit of chat, bit of chat. But where, where does the home advantage go? I feel like we, when it comes to fantasy, we look and you see that, you know, brackets A, and you just think, oh, don't, don't, don't fancy that. But last night in the Premier League on Wednesday night, there were five matches, five away wins. And and I wonder when the last time that happened. Um, when was the last time that every team, every away team won at the same time? Um, it's interesting. And and it's a it's a theme that we've noticed sort of, as we said, at the start throughout lockdown. Um, obviously, no crowds, no away fans, no home fans. Um, what do you think it is, Jake? Why, why, why are teams finding confidence away from home? Yeah, it was really remarkable uh, on Wednesday night. So the away team scored 10 goals and the home teams only scored two. Um, and that was having Liverpool and Villa at home, um, and Brighton and Everton away. So it wasn't like it was super um, overly the big teams winning all the games. Um, but I think we've seen this, you know, for, for almost a year now. So when, when um, football was cancelled before and then it came back in lockdown and the Bundesliga was the away teams seem to win the majority of games almost it was it was ridiculous how many um away teams were winning um and after a month or so there they saw uh, they did the they did the stats they ran them michael through the old computer box the super computer um, <laughs> yeah the big the big brain box computer and um the away win ratio had gone up about 10% um in in their sample um, in the Bundesliga, and I think it's, we've seen probably something similar in the Premier League. Um, and I think it's it's uh, that lack of fans is is huge. I know um, personally from a Wolves perspective, how um, many times I've seen uh, Wolves 
labour on the ball or, or struggle to make chances and, and the fans get behind them um, more regularly than get on their backs. They get behind them <laughs> and yeah. how that um, does push Wolves to um, points and results um, that they, sh- they shouldn't have got, um, really. Uh, the, the 12th man uh, thing is a genuine phenomenon. Um, and I think a lot of teams, especially those teams who are a bit worse or or rely on that kind of team spirit rather than individual brilliance, um, uh, are struggling with that a little bit. Maybe we've seen Sheffield United, for example, um, the beginning of the season. They obviously don't have the individual quality um, of some of the more lavishly spending teams up there. Maybe that's affected them more heavily this time around. Yeah, it's interesting. That I guess it's subjective between each each team, really, and each fan base. Because I know, you know, like you say, there, Sheffield United um, still feel like a sort of underdog punching above their weight in the Premier League. With with all respect, they they feel like an underdog sort of team, and I guess with that mentality, the fan base can only be a positive. They'd be roaring them on, and and defeats, you know, it wouldn't be the the end of the world and and it would be supportive um I, I guess the flip side of that is you know teams that are underachieving teams like newcastle teams like southampton on a on a four or five game losing streak um i, I think back to something like, i think back to sunland sort of bottom of the championship but in that championship relegation season and actually enormous fan base incredible fan base and and again newcastle's the same huge fan base for the success they've had and yet there is that element of getting on the backs of players at times, which is it's understandable at, at, at times. But you do wonder whether big crowds, big fan bases, a lot depends on the mentality of where the club's at. If if it's an underdog, I think I think it can be a, a huge positive. On the flip side, if it's if you're in a bad run of form and you're expecting to be doing a lot better, then the crowd could turn, could easily turn against you. Um, I think the likes of Liverpool would probably benefit from from having their crowd back. Um, not that the Anfield crowd is, you know, more spectacular or sensational than than any other crowd, but I mean they'll be flying. They would have been flying after winning that league. Imagine if they come back, first game back, you know, in in Anfield, forty thousand crowd was after winning the league, um, like that. That would have been an incredible, intensely good atmosphere. And and you wonder whether they would have had that sort of same season they've had so far so it is very interesting to, to look at and, and and as i mentioned already mentality in football is just so important now that it, where you know these players aren't losing ability liverpool aren't suddenly the you know wherever they are in the form guide say 16th or something they're not they're not that bad a team it, it's just getting the most out of those those same individuals again and it's it's worked in some other teams favor i think mm. also um, like West Ham, and we spoke about them a lot this week and Absolutely. others. Um, they've obviously had a bit more space to to figure it out. Um, David Moyes obviously was playing under pressure basically since he joined. Mm. Um, I'm not sure the West Ham fan base were um, as excited as maybe they could have been with him coming back. Um, but he's, he's had some space, had some time. The fans um, have, have not been there to, to get on the back if West Ham have been playing very well and, and they're reaping the rewards with the current form. So I think Southampton mm. saw something similar towards the beginning of the season uh, this time. So so it does go the other way. Yeah, um, Aston Villa in there as well. So I know Aston Villa, another big team who last year, I know they were just new to the Premier League, but they were still, for the amount of money they'd spent, they are expecting to be higher up the league. And yeah, I think, I think West Ham and Villa are actually in a very similar position right now. Um, I think they've they've enjoyed that space and that breather. Great fan bases, but obviously 
with West Ham, things like off-field troubles, maybe sometimes, well, did, literally did spill onto the pitch. Um, I, I think just being away from that level of intensity can sometimes just, just free you up to play your game. And, you know, when we do get back to football and we all desperately, desperately hope it's soon, uh, hopefully before the end of the season, we can have, have a few thousand at least at games. Um, West Ham fans, Villa fans, you, you're going, you're going back to a totally different side. I mean, that must be a, must be a really good feeling. Um, and I'm sure the players, once once you do get back in in the stadiums, they will appreciate all the support they can get. Um, I think that's just about enough from us. Uh, what's coming up in Match of the Day magazine this week, Mister Wilson? Hit us with your best sales pitch. My best sales pitch. Let me uh, warm up the vocals. Ah, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going. Uh, oh my! <laughs> the last few days, Michael, we've got a crazy world of footy in 2021. Mag on shelves. So if you haven't got it for your kids yet, you've only got a couple more days before it's gone forever, and that'll be really sad. So it's really loads of great stuff in there. We've got some best of the best match tax cards on there, which are pretty tasty. We've got loads of the best wonder kids in the world. So maybe for your football manager, say, if you're looking for a little gym, maybe we've got you there. And um, we've got some awesome top goal scorer posters, Michael, as well. Um, Suchek isn't one of them, but uh, maybe he will be soon. (laughs) You would need two posters for the size of size of Suchek. I don't think you'd really condense them down to just one poster, <laughs> uh, life size or bust. Uh, thank you very much for that, Mr. Wilson. And uh, as ever, you can come to RadioTimes.com/sport. Uh, we have a big weekend of sport, and doesn't my work schedule know it? Uh, we have Six Nations Rugby, we have the Super Bowl, and we have the Australian Open all kicking off in the next few days. We also have India v England in the cricket. Uh, we have an exclusive chat with Steve Harmison, former England bowler, uh, on our website right now. So come and have a read, come and have a look. And there's also plenty of Premier League football. We have a match preview for every game with our predictions, team news, and just a little bit of everything for you. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, get voting on our poll at Radio Times Sport on Twitter. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.